a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We are speaking to the uh, one and only uh, Michael uh, Monroe. The new album, I Live uh, Too Fast, Die Young, released uh, June 10th uh, on Avery. Available uh, platform, uh, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you can get your your music. And as we say here in Montreal, uh, bonjour, Michael. Uh, comment allez-vous? How are you? Bonjour. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, so let's get right into this album. And, and, I, and I will ask you some questions about, about your past and your history, but I, I really want to get into this because um, I've been listening to it for a while because they sent me a link, and it, it is just terrific. And what I like the most about it is that you just make Michael Monroe music. You don't care about charts. You don't care about Billboard. This That's is just right. dirty rock and roll. Talk to me about this, the, about the album. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, yeah. This album, uh, we went into, I wanted to um, kind of refresh the band's sound. And I always try to, you know, try new things and expand horizons. And, right. and we, we went to a new studio I never worked with before and a new engineer I never worked with before. Took a conscious risk and it paid off. I think it was, it really uh, added a lot to uh to the record is the, the I mean, sound wise, production wise, and song wise, it's uh, we renewed this band's sound in a in a good, best possible way. I, I you know, I keep my my style and attitude remains the same, but this kind of the songs on this album are very different from what I've done before. Uh, you know, there's a lot of variety and uh, and a lot of new kinds of new types of songs, and while still keeping that firm line of uh, you know the, the punk is always going to be there and it's, it's the the attitude and the relevant lyrics and uh uh, and, uh yeah i think it's um this one feels special and i'm glad i kept it we kept it to about 11 songs uh to we had about what about 34 songs last summer wow yeah everybody writes in the band i always encourage everyone to write as much as they want and uh, i choose the best songs for the album regardless of who wrote them and what makes the best entirety i had a couple of songs left of the uh from the last album one man gang uh that i thought one of them i thought for sure was going to make this record but after we were finished recording i realized that it didn't fit this record anymore which was great and you always try to stick to the 10 11 12 13 at the most for an album and and, and i'm glad it just the songs just fell into place and uh, in the end i realized yeah these 11 were made, made the perfect uh entirety beginning and the end and kind of record you want to listen to again after it's over you know so well, I, I, listen i fully agree because uh what i do before an interview is i'll listen to the record uh, like you know like in the hour before just so it's fresh in my mind and i listen to it and then I started it over <laughs> cool. <laughs> because, <That's great. laughs> because I, you know, you hear murder of the summer love and young drunks, old alcoholics, and you get down to dearly departed and it just flows. The flow is perfect. I mean, it's got the peaks and valleys where the peaks and valleys should be. And you just go, okay, that's a rock record. That's a really cool. well done rock record. Um, uh, it, was this a pandemic record in the sense that you and Steve Conti and the rest of the guys couldn't meet in the studio and everything was done through MP3s and email, or was it a studio record where you just said, "Okay, we're just going to wait and let's get in there and let's let's do this together." 
Well, we couldn't get together with the band for for uh, about two years almost. We we did uh, we did get together uh, to make some demos on uh, in last uh, August. We got together right. for about a week to record some demos of. Uh, and we had thirty four songs. We recorded about twenty of them, and uh, then went back went into the studio. I I, I met with the engineer and uh, checked out the new studio, and I talked to him, and I did, decided that's the way to go. So. We started recording in the beginning of November. We all got together in Helsinki and uh, uh, Sammy, Steve and, and Rich. And we had these songs. I mean, we we wrote them during the two years. A uh, couple of them were written before the pandemic, like Everybody's Nobody. I wrote that with Rich before the pandemic. We even made a demo of that in my house right here, right here in this room. And, uh, that was in the summer before the pandem pandemic started, and, and there was, and also All Fighter was written back then. Wow. Uh, so, and these other songs were just we we keep sending songs back and forth, and well, say for example, No Guilt was um, I had the chorus for that. I recorded it on my cell phone and I sent it to Rich as a text wow. message, and he he had an idea. I had a verse too, but he had a better verse. Uh, he, he he was inspired to start working on a verse, and he uh, he. Uh, um, sent me his idea and uh made like a rough demo of it and uh uh then uh then i um you know he sent me the, the music and i did a vocal on it and sent it back to him you know that's the way most of these songs came together so uh thank god for the internet you know for that in that sense the internet's good <laughs> yeah, the, the internet's good and it certainly changes the way that we we approach songwriting and, and, and making albums um I see there over your shoulder you've got the uh, whatever double platinum award for for Guns N' Roses uh, because obviously oh, yeah, you, you were you were on that we had uh, Axel and you're not fake yeah go ahead tell me about that story. Oh, that was at at, at that time uh, it was a uh, triple platinum uh, the uh, uh, Use Your Illusion album I, I just I played the sax on uh, and harmonica on the song uh, Bad Obsession yep. And then when I went to do that, I had uh, I had recorded. Uh, Axel told me on the phone that he hadn't heard the Dead Boys much, so I recorded the the Dead Boys uh, first two albums on the on the audio cassette, and we were listening to that in in his car in in Hollywood, driving around. He, he when he heard the song Any Fun, he went to he said, "Well, let's get the band together for this," and because they were they were recording the Spaghetti Incident, the incident yeah. So we ended, and he said, "Let's do this song," and I said, "Wow, it'll be cool." And he said, "Let's do it as a duet." And I said, well, could it say in memory of Steve Bader's? Because Steve had just passed away and was a dear friend of mine and, and a big influence on me and all that. He says, oh, yeah, of course. And uh, and then uh, so so I, I thought it was fantastic. We did, did the vocal face to face. We You know, uh, it was magical. I had candles around. So it was the, the record plant studios. They were keeping the studio open for their their uh, session. But, uh, wow. I think this they were gonna the studios were the studio was going to close down but they kept it open for the guns N' roses sessions and axel actually lived there in one of the rooms and and this is where you're getting candles okay so put candles around and so sang it face to face and it was really magical still uh, i mean steve was there in spirit for sure it's just like he even uh even axel sounds just just like steve in places like when he says ain't fun we just feel like just gotta get a gun it's, it's just it's, his voice is just like steve so it wasn't only a duet it was like a trio steve was there in spirit for sure uh, and it was like it was great to have i thought you know to have a uh, homage to steve 
uh, have all those millions of Guns N' Roses fans will see Steve's name on the album. That's, that was so cool. And uh, I didn't want any money for it either. I wanted to make sure that it makes the album because I heard a lot of those bands got a little bit greedy, you know, the Bank of the Roses that, oh, well, big money and so dollar signs. And I thought, I thought, I just wanted to make sure that the song is on the album. And, uh, all I I didn't want any money. I said I want my uh, I, if you could just say in memory of Steve Bader's and uh, just spell my name right. That's all. That's the, <laughs> way, that's the way to do it. And, and by the way, "Ain't It Fun" is is one of the greatest songs they've they've re-recorded or covered. I guess is the word for it. Uh, but my my question was going to be: uh, You got Slash on this record to come and do some solos on the uh, title track. Yeah, uh, talk to me about that because you, when you hear a Slash solo, you go, "Oh, that Slash!" Like I mean, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's got a, a signature sound for sure. Uh, well, we were pretty far into recording, and uh, uh, I, I I just thought of uh, that song that would be perfect for Slash to play a solo on. And uh, he hadn't played on uh, the last the previous four albums, and it's always been really accommodating whenever I asked him for anything. And he's just a real sweet guy, you know, heart of gold and a great player. And I'm so happy that he's as big as he is because he plays the right kind of guitar. And uh, yeah. uh, really, really cool guy. So I uh, emailed him the song and I said, would you like to play this is, uh, the title track of my new album? And would you like to play a solo on it? And he says, yeah, I love the song. And but he's super busy. He's doing promotion. He's got an album coming out and stuff. So when do you need it by? And I was like, well, well now. Yesterday. <laughs> I need it by yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, he says, well, let me see if I can carve out a day for it. And uh, the next day we get an email from his uh, engineer uh, asking for the files and the day the next day after that, we had the solo. So I was like, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet guy. Really cool. And a great solo. It's like really off the cuff, spontaneous. It just had to be one shot kind of deal. It's like, whoa. And it's, it's, I love the way it almost falls apart towards the end and it comes together again. And it's in this day and age when everything's so perfectly placed with the Pro Tools and everything, it's, uh, it's really refreshing. Solo is a statement in itself. You know? Well, all right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you about that because um, Alan Niven, who's a Guns N' Roses manager, used to co-host the show with me, and he would always say that there is perfection in the imperfection. And, yeah, and that's what I'm sensing with what you're saying on this solo. But how Perfectly do you flawed. approach what? Yeah, there's an art to being perfectly flawed. Well, yeah, and and I think when you listen back to the Stones or Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin or any of the early rock or anything from the '70s. There's a lot of mistakes where you just go, oh, God. But that, oh, God, is like, you need The coolest it. stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so yeah. how do you approach uh, making music now? Because you, you can be, you know, on the grid and perfect and pro-tooled and auto-corrected and pitched. But it's not yeah. rock and roll. No, 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 no. You want to keep the rawness, the rawness and the, spontane, the spontaneity, and 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 keep it, keep it, keep the edge, and uh, maintain that. And so the mistakes are all usually the best things. You know, right. that, and that, that's you got to keep your, keep an open mind to that, and never try to make everything too perfect. That uh, definitely, especially this day and age when everything's so boring and and so calculated and you know totally mechanical uh it's possible to make everything anybody can't even sing you can make them sound like they can sing and uh, it's it's uh it's really silly uh to me uh it's one of the key things is to keep it fresh and keep it live and and uh, especially uh, luckily i have a band the best band i could hope for and these guys are such great players so we don't have to worry and we always always the, these guys deliver and, and uh, it's always the best things and the most fun things are the, you know, the mistakes, things, things that happen 
Spontaneously, yeah. And you can never go wrong with Company of Wolves, Steve Conti. I mean, that guy and that album. I bought that album. That's a great. Well, album. Yeah, we were we were. Uh, it's funny. We never met uh, in the in the 80s and 90s. We were in the same label. I was on Polygram and he was as well with the Company of Wolves. And we never oh. ran into each other. We had the same A&R guy and everything. We never ran into each other. And then we just became friends later and uh, with this band. And it's funny, but it's really great player. All of them are great players and, and great. The same taste in music. And, and we always have a great time together. And that's one of the things too. The, the chemistry in the band is really special. It's it's, uh, it's really rare to find uh, find that. And I created this uh, around me. I like to have people work with people to work with who are you know good people and uh, it's a good vibe. And you live with them on the road, and you, you know they better have. It only takes one guy to ruin the whole vibe. If you don't want one jerk in the band, and, and I will not allow it. I don't care how good a player you are. It's the the it's the the spirit is so important. The vibe and uh, so that everyone's a good guy. And, that way you have a good time and it comes across on stage or on a record. You can't fake that. It, it does it. We're yeah. having a good time. Not making, faking it. Not faking it for real. <laughs> yeah. I'm for real. Even I bought that I'm album too, by the way. Um, but, okay, but let me just ask you this then. You, the album is great. And, and, I, and I mean that sincerely. I listened to it a bunch of times and I just went, fuck, I got to buy this. A, a link's not going to do me. I got to buy this. Cool. Um, it'll probably go to number one in Finland, like a lot of your other stuff. But how do you take this great music and then get it to the people and get it on, uh, you know, or Billboard or get it to, to fans in the States? Because this can't just go crawling under a rock. I mean, people have got to hear this. Well, I agree. Uh, well, I'm doing the best I can, but I don't know how that works these days. I mean, right. now we have good management uh, uh, and uh, good uh, booking agency, UTA and uh, Silver Lining, a good label. Yep. Uh, I haven't had that before, so I'm hoping this time we'll get more attention. Uh, but we're getting a you know good good gigs already. The pandemic came and we well, the last album, uh, well, my gang, we it was cut short because of the pandemic, of course, like everybody else. But now we're getting back on to back to it, back into it, and now on the road. Uh, we got some shows with Alice Cooper in in in, uh, uh, in Europe uh, in June, and uh, we're opening up for Guns N' Roses in in London uh, uh, on Ju July first and second. Wow! Uh, at the Tottenham Stadium, it's just cool. So hopefully we'll get you know bigger shows, and uh, we'll I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and uh, trying to expand my fame uh, the best I can. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hope to be getting to the stage. The stage is, is just a big place, and uh, you you would really have to get on a, on a big tour, opening up for somebody uh, at big venues, because otherwise, you know, touring clubs over there, it's you know, you could do that forever, and you'd get nowhere. Right. Like, well, so well let me just quickly ask you about that. About how do you get over to North America? Because I was talking to Brian Tatler of Diamond Head, and he said, "Listen, you don't understand." We're five people in the band with three road crew. It's $25,000 just to, to, to get on a plane. Yeah. Our first week, we're playing in the hole. So, so right. how do you do it? I mean, it, it, it is... How many are you in the band? Five? So plus, plus Five crew. guys. Yeah, plus crew. It's, and, uh, yeah. it's like $30,000 just to go play a shitty club in Boston. I mean, yeah. what do yeah, you do? You don't. You don't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're just like... I've, I've actually... Some time ago, some years, a few years ago, we decided it's like it's it's a useless, uh, it's, it's a futile effort to to put right. all the all the money into it. You have to you go like you lose money making that uh, touring the, yes. the box, get a get a nightliner and you know pay for that, and uh, you you just don't make enough money doing it. So 
we kind of like just gave up on it uh, uh, on touring in the states. Uh, it, it was just proved too difficult and too uh, too uh, costly. You know, we don't yes. we can't afford it really. And, yes. and the only way I could imagine would be getting on uh, on a big tour, uh, opening up for somebody like that. You know, to get the exposure. Right. Uh, to get somewhere and uh that hasn't happened so uh right now uh i don't know i mean it's it's looking we're we're doing the best we can but uh we're yeah. concentrating oh, in europe yeah. uh, uh, axel's got a few stadium dates you might want to call him you might say hey axel come on <laughs> how, how about a buddy my bro um uh, i'm gonna ask you a couple of questions on on stuff that maybe is not as as thrilling but uh, i'm i'm fascinated by your jerusalem slim album and you have said in in interviews it ruined your career. It was terrible. I want to forget about its existence. Well, I it mean, didn't ruin my career. It ruined my career in the States at the time. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. It didn't ruin your career. Here we are talking about one of the greatest albums you've ever made. So, so where, where did it go? Really? <laughs> I really do. I mean, well, your last few have been super strong. I mean, you're not mailing it in. I mean, pun intended, you're not faking it. I mean, this is this is some quality music. But Thank you. But, yes. uh, you know, and I, I know and you seem uncomfortable about the situation, but you have Steve Stevens, who, who's in, uh, you know, Billy Idol, goes off with Vince Neil. He is one of the greatest guitarists ever. How did this chemistry not work for you? Well, there was a conflict uh, in the end. Uh, I mean, it started out with me and Steve. Uh, I mean, Steve approached me and uh, he, he was convinced that he should be my guitar player after hearing the Not Faking It album and uh, mm -hmm. especially... Song, all night with the lights on had this solo with because uh, my engineer not faking it was uh michael frondelli who was engineering the uh um uh, billy idol's uh, rebel yell album and, and right. but steve heard you know some an, an effect in that solo i thought oh, that should be like my solo like you know i should be a guitar player right. and I, I mean he looked the part and uh he seemed like a nice guy and i got to you know started hanging with him and we we wrote a bunch of songs made some demos over like a, about a year for about a year and then uh i wanted little steven to produce it and that would have been good but then the record company didn't allow that and i was like what you don't want little steven to produce now what am i going to do now i mean he's my he's the guy i wanted to work with and uh then steve stevens didn't uh, support me either on that and he then they went for this German heavy heavy metal producer Michael Wagner, who right. was like, the flavor of the month at the time, because he'd done the Ozzy Osbourne album, uh, he's mi mixed that, and what was that Skid Row or whatever, you know, I'd been like right. And he, he was doing all the, all the bands at that time. Yeah, and and he was the worst possible person to to produce. I mean, I'm sure he's a good producer, but he was the wrong wrong combination. Him and Steve Stevens together. It turned into heavy metal histrionics, uh, guitar solos, and 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 it just took a turn to uh, the worst. Um, it wasn't anymore. It wasn't my record anymore. It became. It wasn't rock and roll anymore. It became this heavy metal noodling million notes per second. Uh, Steve uh, even started playing. He just turned around and started playing a completely different way, uh, the kind of style that he knew I didn't like. Uh, on the demos, he played more rock and roll, Chuck Berry style, you know. And then on the, in the studio, we went into uh, do the basic tracks in Wisconsin. I didn't want to go to record in L.A. And then all of a sudden we were going to go to L.A. So I did my vocals in uh, in Wisconsin in this, this really shitty studio we were in for uh, that Michael Wagner wanted to be in. And, and I had done my vocals, so I went to LA. It was supposed to be a couple of weeks of guitars, ended up being three months of guitar hell. 
And I was freaking out. I was trying to stop the project. I said, this is not going to happen. It's a record that everybody hates, and it's not my record anymore. It was my deal with Polygram Records. Right. And uh, it, it was just a nightmare. My manager wasn't supporting me. He was on vacation somewhere at the time. He was a useless manager. I got My A&R guy was in, uh, in New York. I tried to get the... A uh, local A and R guy and 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 this California guy came to uh, the studio and uh, you know Stephen Wagner played him a couple of songs that sounded okay. He says, "Well, this sounds fine. What are you talking about, Michael? You know, I says, what? We're at about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars now. So you want to spend another three hundred thousand and then realize it's a piece of shit." God. And uh, so he's just like, oh, "It's no. What's your problem? You know." And so I was like, "That was the worst time in my life. I couldn't get anyone to help me and stop the record and it continued and and uh, they just kept like. I mean, the days were like, say, Steve would play a solo uh, and Wagner was just like yeah yeah man you know let's let's do the solo and, and i said and I, no matter how great a solo is it doesn't save the song if the song doesn't have it so right. in the end uh, uh they would do they, they would go like this steve would try out take have a couple of takes and I, as great a player as he is it was great i said okay that's it that's the solo right and wagner would say no michael i'm adjusting the eq or just a little bit more and as oh the eq and a couple of millimeters here or there and then whatever and then it would then it would go they'd do like 10 to 15 solos one after another and more and more with the two hands in the neck and all that style i was like oh my god and then okay now are we done with the solo then it'd be like oh now we do a comp oh so you don't have a solo between all those is there any combination and I was like, okay, so how okay, well, how long is that going to take? And then, okay, now are we finally done with the solo? Can we move on? Oh, now we go to eat. Now we go out to dinner for like two or three hours. I was like, oh, God. So pissing away the money. In the end, it ended up costing $700,000, that record, which is a piece <laughs> of shit. And, and that, the best thing was at the end of it all, at the mixing, Steve turns around, comes to me all of a sudden. Before that, it was like, don't bother me. I got to do my solos. You know, I'm going to show everybody how great I play. I was like, okay, excuse me. And then at the end of it all, he says, Michael, Wagner is mixing it all wrong. I was like, what? Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought at least I gave you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you guys knew something I didn't know. Now you're telling me he's doing it wrong? I said, come on. Are you serious? This whole record's been wrong from the beginning, from, from the get-go. <laughs> we want to save this record. We got to go back to New York, start over from scratch and do it again. I mean, everything's been like totally the opposite of what we did in the demos. So, yeah, but, you know, when I said, what about the demos? Just, oh, screw the demos. That Now this is the, now we're doing the album now. And it's just like, uh, I don't know what the point was because he knew that I wasn't going to be happy with that. So why would he go all the way the other way? So then, he, he agreed that we're going to start over and fix the record and make it like, you know, I said, okay, uh, let's do that then. We went back to New York and uh, I didn't hear from him for a while. And then then uh, we even remixed uh, one of the songs. Uh, the um, uh, uh, one of the worst things, Wagner had made a mix of it all. So the record label had a finished, so-called finished album to put out. And I was like, I never want this album out as it is. It's a, it's a mistake. So then we went into went to the studio with New, in New York with this guy, Bob Rosa, who was a good mixer. He mixed uh, the first song, Rock and Only Generation, and uh, it sounded better. Uh, but then Steve disappeared and uh, didn't say say nothing. And uh, next thing, one day I'm, I'm watching TV, MTV and I, there's some awards show uh, where uh, uh, Motley Vince Cruz, Neil is there. You know, Vince Neil is doing a, <laughs> a solo record, uh, you know, a project. And 
And uh, who's the guitar player? Steve Stevens is playing uh, as the guitar player, playing a solo with uh, some toy gun, some space gun with a woo woo woo, you know, all this and, and doing, you know, what he, what he does. Right. Uh, all the way to the other. I mean, you know, he worked great with Billy Idol when they had Keith Force, he was the producer, and Billy, and they kept him on a, on, you know, on a short leash in a way at, that they got the best out of him. But, you know, and this one with the with Wagner as the producer, he was like, you know, walking all over me and uh, going totally the other way. If little Steven had been allowed to produce the album, it would have been great. Been so good. then at the end of it all, I can, you can imagine how I felt. And I, I didn't want the album out. And uh, the record label says, no, we spent seven hundred thousand dollars on it. Of course, it has to come out and we got to make some of the money back. And I was like, God. So I took out I saved some of the songs there was uh, uh, that I, I, I wanted to. I'll get off the album and, and do later. Like the scum lives on was on the demolition 23 album later on. But I think they released, that was a bonus track on some European version of the Jerusalem slim, that version, uh, which actually had Donald Trump in the, in the names, the names uh, who's going to live forever. The scumbags going to live forever. That was, that was, that was the only good thing about that version. Uh, but uh, you know, there's a few songs I pulled off. I was, I, I decided, okay, let's let it be a complete piece of piece of crap. Uh, the heavy metal histrionics, uh, all this. I mean, know. fans do love it. I mean, so, a, a lot of fans I know love it. So I mean, it, good for but, them. Well, I'm glad know. somebody gets some joy out of it. It's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I've always taken pride in making good records and quality right. stuff, and, and I, so the records that I can stand behind 100. percent Now, this was the worst that could have happened because uh, I would never. I just, if anything, I didn't. I don't mind not being the biggest name, not not ever, you know, making it huge or anything like that. And uh, I want to maintain my integrity and have, you know, be be what I am today and be proud of it. But that record, that's why it's a big black mark in my career, in my mind. And and uh, you know, it just so it just right. so happened that it was. It's not me, you know. It, it was just a project that uh, turned to shit. But right. the thing is, uh, uh, the the, um, the name Jerusalem Slim. I was like, Sammy came up with that. Sammy Alpha, and uh, I mean, Steve started even redoing Sammy's bass part in the end. I mean, really like anal retentive, like making it totally perfectly. I talk mm. about totally, totally ruining everything and making it mechanic. Who wants to redo Sammy? Sammy Alpha, the best rock and roll bass player in the, on the planet. Who wants to redo his bass parts? You know, yeah, just make it, make it perfect. And I was like, are oh, you crazy? And I was just insanity. So therefore, <laughs> so then I even suggested the record label when they said they're going to release the album. I said, okay, can we please call it Michael Monroe faking it? <laughs> and they they wouldn't know. go. They wouldn't go for that. So, oh, and, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Well, yeah. hey, listen. The best part of that album must be the uh, recoupment cost statements that you get because of all that money they spent on just solos. Um, but oh yeah, they own my ass. Uh, I mean, those records. I'm not faking. I'm never going to see a cent from any of those records for sure. But, uh, yeah, but, but, but to take I, the bad Sorry, I had to get dropped off the label because of that record. So uh, I waited for over a year and until because then by this time I owed them almost a million. So right. one day my lawyer called says, Michael, they dropped you. I said, okay, that's too bad. And I was like, yippee, yippee, yeah. Now I'm free again. And then I called little Steve and I said, Steve, now we can make the album that I always wanted. And we made the Demolition 23 album, which wasn't as, uh, we didn't have a big label behind it, but it was it's still a great record that it's I can a be great record. And and yeah. and you are on on silver lining uh, the label. So I'm, there is a silver lining to this story, though. I mean, you you took the Jerusalem Slim experience and you decided that we're not going to do that again. I'm going to yes. be in control of my records, right? And we did the Demolition 23 album in, uh, in with Little Steven producing. That was done in like in a couple of weeks. We recorded the basic tracks in three days. I did the vocals in two days. And then we mixed one song per day. That was like two weeks. And that was it. And still the, one of the best records I ever made. 
Right, and, and that's why we get to I live too fast to to die young. That's a hard thing. To, I live too fast to die young now. Uh-huh. It's not overproduced. It's not, you know, it's not stuffed like a hot dog. It's just rock and roll, plain exactly. and simple, in Thank your you. face. And that's what we love. So you that's so right. you, you, learned, you learned from Jerusalem Slim. Yeah, it was a learning, a big learning experience. <laughs> and, and by the way, speaking of Demolition 23, that album's going to be, uh, it's remastered. It's going to be coming out, released uh, on its Little Stevens, Wicked Cool Records uh, in uh, was it September, October or November. Wow. Uh, this year, uh, it sounds better than ever, and uh, it's, on, it's coming out on vinyl and CD and and digital, all the, all the formats. Oh, that's uh, great because it, it's hard to find. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's out a of pain in the ass to find. <laughs> yeah, so now it's finally going to be out and uh, new artwork and everything and remastered, sounding great, greater than ever. Uh, in this fall, it's coming out, which is great. See, so it all worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, everything will always work out, and uh, you know, it's uh, it was a learning experience and an expensive lesson. Uh, that uh, Jerusalem Slim was a price for the education, like Keith Richards said. When they got- <laughs> That's right, <laughs> University of Recoupment. Oh yeah. my god, jeez, uh, <laughs> uh, Michael, always, always a pleasure. We've done plenty of interviews. First time, I think we've actually done a Zoom, but always a pleasure. Thank and, you. Uh, same, likewise, same here, man. It's great as to we see say you. in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much, and uh. Ooh. You know, get get on some kind of stadium tour. We got to see you live over here. We got we we got to figure it out somehow. Somehow. I want to. I definitely. I'm I'm there. If there's a way to do it, I'm there. <laughs> Thank you, forward. sir. Thank you so much. God bless Cheers. you. Bye bye. Bye bye now. An all new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified at Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.